Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We're studying the God of deliverance is the name of the series. Um, it's talking about where Moses delivered the people out and a lot of this I would just think we, you know, we're just human. We think, how many times have I heard this? Well, that's not the point. Um, because the Jewish people was to quote the Shema every day as a quote, every day. And this included 20 verses. Now, I knew that God knew that they knew what the prayer was. But they was to reaffirm this every day and go through it every day. And so when we come to church and if a minister comes to minister and he takes a, a scripture from anywhere in this Bible and I think, I think to myself, well, Lord, I've, how many times have I heard this? then right then I have cut myself off from what God wants to do because it doesn't matter how many times I have heard it. It's what God is wanting to do and what God might speak to me may have nothing to do with what the minister is saying about. God could speak directly to me and him ministering about an entirely different subject because God is God and he can do whatever he wants to do. So... And it's about leaving slavery. And, but in quoting the Shema every day, they was required to do this. And number one, they was to embrace that Yahweh was their God. And number two, they was to embrace a life, uh, a life of worship in response to this knowledge. God said, you quote this every day and you ingrain this in you and not only teach it to you, to your son and your son's son. Never let this cycle in. So when we come to church and we have heard something that we think, like leaving this, the exodus, we have all most likely all heard it. But here again, I want to hear what the Lord would have to say. And it's talking about leaving slavery. And as long as I look at myself in the mirror in this body, I'm a slave. I could be a slave to this flesh. I'm not saying God don't have the power to deliver me from this flesh. But just as Paul said, when I get up in the morning, it is to conquer this flesh. Now, I don't want to leave the impression with someone that it is a challenge. I believe Paul is saying, do not take it for granted. Just as God told the, the Hebrews, quote this every day, 
I'm thinking God is telling us now through his spirit, I have given you my spirit that you may be able to conquer this flesh every day. So just as they had to quote this, read this every day, I've given you my spirit. So it is not like I'm just struggling every day. Uh, I, I can't, I, you know, I just can't get control of this flesh. That is not the case. That's giving the enemy the credit. God said, if you do this, if you will look to me, if you will plant your, my word in your heart, then I'll give you the strength to overcome this. But just as they did then, we have to do now, it is an everyday occurrence that has to happen. And I would think nobody here would want to admit that you're a slave to anything, anything. So many years ago, I mean, I, I was trying to, th to think um, how many years. I, I can't even put a number on it, but it was a long time. I'm, I mean, I had this, and it was a long, long time ago. And oh, I heard somebody laugh now. That's not kind. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already having to pray to get over the flesh already. But I was given some good advice when it comes to speaking like this. Not if, but when, <laughs> when you say something you didn't want to say or you meant not to say, don't go back. Just go on. Okay. There was a time many years ago that I was saying it was talking about an addiction some way. And I remember I said, I'm not addicted to anything but Coke. And so, you know, I'm, I've always said everybody in the church needs to have to do this at least one time and you would see what can happen and, what, and how fast it can go wrong. So here in my mind, I'm trying to keep going and I'm thinking, I just can't leave this. I just, I just can't leave this like this. I think everybody understood that I'm talking about Coca-Cola. But there may be someone that listens to this tape. They're not going to understand. I'm talking about Coca-Cola. So I said, well, I done broke one rule. Here's number two. <laughs> so I went back and corrected it. But we do not want to admit we, were, we are not a slave. We're not a slave. We don't want to admit it. You know, and when things go wrong, you know, and they will. But we would not want to say that we are a slave to anything. Now, we're just flesh and blood. We're not perfect. Things do happen, but God is faithful and just to forgive us. I believe that, that it, um, when it does go wrong, God can help us get over it. Now, this is when this, this lesson speaks um, of when Moses took them out it begins in the two verses they give us. At this point, they've done went through all the plagues and the verses that it is, is, is Exodus 15, 1 and 2. And then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he hath thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation he is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation of my Father's God. I will exalt him. Now, of anything that we find ourselves in, 
God is more powerful than it. That's why I remember, and I'm telling you, a lot of the things, that is why the testimonies we have are so important. And I remember, and, and I, spoke, I spoke this. I said, when, when I was, um, that's why anything, anything holding us. And I remember the time I'm sitting there and, and I'm looking at um, when Jesus walked on the water. And I remember God speaking to me. This is not about walking on the water. This is about something between you and me. And I'm thinking it's impossible for me to get to God. And God just simply said, there's nothing between you and me. No matter what my eyes is looking at. It ain't Peter walking on the water. It's say, God, if it was you, bid me come. And there's no way God's going to say stay in the boat. Peter was a fisherman. What you did not do was get out of the boat. So there alone, that, that tends to tell me I can't view this with human reasoning because as a fisherman, you're not going to get out of the boat. But if I'm listening to God and I'm saying, the Lord, when I look at the circumstances, there's a storm going on. I can't do this. I should stay in the boat. And God's saying, you're looking at it through human eyes. This is binding me. This is holding me. And God was saying, all you need to do is trust me and there's no obstacle that's going to keep you from me. And so this is, this is not so much about learning about the slaves leaving, even though that's what the lesson about. What it is about is looking at it about them to us right now, about issues and situations trying to bind and hold us because we live, as they say, in the real world. What affects them affects us. Just like everyday life, we are hit, we are hit. Now, we thank God for our deliverance from sin. It begins with a story about Marcus. Uh, speaks of a man that was a, a, a teacher. He met Randy. Marcus was teaching Bible school, Bible school at the time. He met him. He was, they was in a couple classes together. Randy was certainly not a traditional student. He was almost 30 years old. While most of his classmates was teenagers in their early 20s, his clothes was nice but not expensive. He was quiet and reserved and not the first person to speak up. And uh, his grades was not that good. He was the hardest worker, though. He spent countless hours in the library just trying to get a C in class. But he was proud of himself for just passing. But Randy moved to attend college. He began attending the same church where Marcus attended. And Randy immediately formed a special connection with the pastor. And not long after Randy arrived, the pastor invited him to preach a main service. But what happened? He stumbled through his scripture reading, and it was clear. Reading wasn't his strong suit. He got lost in his notes. He was hard to follow. He couldn't recall his title of his sermon from the text from which he had preached. Everyone seems to re but everyone remembered Randy telling the story of his conversion. And his voice began to tremble. He spoke with confidence and conviction. And, but what he said was just a few years ago, Randy shared, I was pushing shopping carts in front of a grocery store in a little town in the middle of nowhere. And then he said, I would spend my days pushing these shopping carts and nights behind it doing any drug I could get my hands on. And all of my friends was alcoholics, drug addicts. Then one day I was just laying in the grass and along came a man and invited me to church. 
he told that I told him that I didn't have nowhere uh, to live, but the man told me I could be free from all my addictions. That night he gave me a ride to church. I was so desperate that I went right down to the altar, raised my hands and prayed for deliverance. That night, God filled me with the Holy Ghost and instantly freed me from my addictions. I never smoked, drank, or did drugs again. I never had a desire to either. Not only did God set me free, but he shielded me from the withdrawals. God showed me that day that he is stronger than any addiction of sin that would try to keep me in bondage. And now I will not never stop telling the story of where God delivered me. He set me free and he can set you free too. Now, I would want to add to that. That is addictions that we can see. Now I'm telling you, there's a lot of wounds in Christians that we can't see. And we jump up and down and scream for people like this and that's okay. But we hold a lot of wounds that we don't speak about. But I'm telling you, God will heal people like this and he'll heal people like us because time don't heal nothing. God is the healer of the broken. And just as sure as he'll heal this man, he will heal us. And he said, if you will quote this word, keep it in your heart, give yourself to me, we can't run, we can't holler and scream about all the addicts, and that's fine. I got no issue with that. But Lord, help me. Don't let us come to church and hold wounds that needs to be healed when God has the authority and the power and the strength to heal us, that we are the ones that is called by his name, had the blood applied to our lives, and we're the ones that God will help us. We're just like everybody else. We're, we don't kid ourselves. Things affect us just like everyone else. What makes us different is we have the Holy Ghost. We have the Spirit of God that can strengthen us. And, and just, I'm, I want to share something else. In, in thinking about this, this too I've all, I have also said years ago, um, we, the, the, it, it, my point is this, the, de, the Bible says the devil is, is uh, 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 what's the scripture about him, about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour? Well, I was in High Springs. There is a, a camp there that at that time did actually have a lion. Okay, we was down there working. I knew there was a male lion there. At my home, I could literally, in High Springs, we're not that far from them, what literally sounded eerie is when that joker sat like, just like you see in Africa on the Serengeti and the I could hear that at my house. So we got up there that morning and we're working. Woo! I, I'm glad I had a belt on and my shirt was buttoned because I'd have jumped right out of them. We was working and all of a sudden this bad boy let one out. The devil as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And that's what the enemy does to us. I'm telling you, when we are vulnerable, just that roar, he just comes out against us. And he does everything he can to just oppress us and just hold us down. When all it is, listen to me, all it is is a roar. 
and it just startled me and I'm thinking, I knew he was here. I knew that line was here, but yet I wasn't ready for it. And that's just what the enemy does to us. I'm just, I'm kidding you. If, if, some, if I knew somebody had filmed me, I would have fought them for the film because I wouldn't have want that to got out because I'm telling you, it scared the life out of me and I'm not too proud to admit it. That was a mean roar. But that's what the enemy does to us. Spiritually, that's what he does to us. And I believe just as much in the natural as it alarmed me, it can have a similar effect to us spiritually, knowing that if we stay with God, there's nothing the enemy can do to overcome us. The price has been paid. Everything has been fulfilled. As he said, it is finished. It's done. The, the end is settled. All I got to do is not give up and not give in. It is done. So here, here they're taken. The plagues are exposed. Uh, uh, Egypt's false gods. And what's alarming to me, this why m me, I'm... I'm I'm not a big TV and I don't go to movies. So, but here, the false gods, when it comes to Egypt, you still hear about them. Go all the way back thousands of years and these false gods, you still hear about them today. I mean, you can still read about them, hear about them, see them, you know. But here it is, but here is God. He said, all right, I'm gonna take and I'm gonna prove not only to Egypt, I'm going to prove to my people who God is. Egypt, you have your false gods, and I'm going to prove to the Hebrews that has been bound here in slavery who God really is. And, and the, I think the New Testament connection with that is when God took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, who, where what they done was make idols, and God, I can just see God. I don't know if this happened, but in my mind, I can just see God walking among the idols, and he says, to the disciples, I don't care what they say, so to speak. Them's my words. I don't care what they say. Who do you say I am? Because it makes a difference. Who do you say that I am? Because it makes a difference when God's people knows who he is. Because Egypt was fixing to know who God was. Ra wasn't going to be a, a bit of good anymore. The sun God wasn't going to help because he was going to put thick darkness over them. Each God, each deity, so-called God that they had, God was going to prove. I'm the God and I'm going to prove it to you. So here it is. They, he's just setting them, he's just letting them go and God did it with signs and wonders. Now, I believe at any point, any point, I don't believe this was just and this is me. I don't believe at any point that an Egyptian could have said, okay, just say it the second one. You know, an Egyptian could have went to Moses and said, I believe your God is God. Let me come into your camp. I believe he would have been accepted. That's just me. Because it's not about just drawing a line, cutting them off, you know, but here's God. In my eyes, the way I see it, they had 10 chances. And they just chose to stay with their false gods and it did not turn out good. He delivered them with signs and wonders through his servant Moses, the 10 plagues. The first one, he turned the Nile River into blood, which destroyed their 
uh, primary water source killed all the fish not to be outdone. The Egyptians, uh, the Egyptian magicians would use their dark magic to turn the water into blood. The same thing happened in the second plague at Moses' command an overabundance of frogs invaded Egypt with such force that all the filth, filthy creatures could be found in every bedroom kitchen cabinet in Egypt. Now I'm telling you, at what point do you say, I'm changing sides. I don't even want to see a frog side the road, much less in my kitchen cabinet. So I've had enough. But once again, the Egypt, their musicians used dark magic to get the frogs. So they was de determined to prove that their deities was stronger than Yahweh. It was uh, something that they had never win. But the third plague was different. Moses struck the ground. The dust of the air became as gnats and tormented every human and animal in Egypt. The Egyptian magicians tried to replicate this, but they could not. Just three rounds into the battle, the God of the Israelites had already proved he was superior by the sixth plague. The musicians couldn't even stand on their feet. Now, by the eighth plague, all the servants of Pharaoh was actually begging Pharaoh, just let them go. Just kick them out. Drop kick them to the curb. Tell them they can go. We're done. We've had enough. But God told Moses, I'm going to harden his heart. He's not going to let the people go. I just got a plan. And when I'm done, he's going to know who the God is. But they realized that God was more powerful over all their pagan gods. Throughout the 10 plagues, God demonstrated how weak and false the Egyptian gods was. For every plague, the Egyptians had a corresponding deity that failed to perform when their so-called uh, people needed it the most. You know, what do you do if you... This is what I think about. If, if you was to grow up in this culture and they would just tell you, you would learn from a child that there is a deity for every, every different item. I don't know. And you know, and then all of a sudden you see this guy Moses come in and you're, he's head of this group and you just refer to them as slaves. And then all of a sudden he comes in and says, the true God says you must let these slaves go. And then all of a sudden, what has been taught to them that their supreme gods is being overturned one at a time? Now that just couldn't been good. I mean, he sent swarms of flies. He established the inadequacy of the Egyptian god of creation who had the head of an insect. God sent the hell as a seventh plague. He proved that the Egyptian goddess of the sky was unable to protect them, the ninth plague darkness. He distributed the falsehood of Ra, the Egyptian god of the sun, was one of the, is one of the oldest and most important of the Egyptian deities. But in, few, in, in modern times, few people still literally serve idols of worship uh, or idols of wood and stone. But in the day and hour which we live, you know, some still, you know, you can worship money or you can worship careers or fame or other worldly standards. But it doesn't matter, you know, and, and I've said, and I just believe it this way. I, I, I got no issue with money, period. I don't have very much. 
But what I'm saying, and if you have a tremendous amount, I'm telling you the truth. I have no issue with it. And I'm not, I don't have no issue with it with people that does. But I only have one thing to say from a biblical point of view. Do you possess your money or does your money possess you? And I think that in, in that case, if, 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 if it's done right, what's the problem? I'm serious. I'm really serious. And you know, and if you give yourself to something that it literally preoccupies you, takes all of your time, because it's not about coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday and then doing everything we want. It is about 24-7. It is about staying with God, learning about God, because I'm telling you, we are just seeing the tip of the iceberg of what this world's gonna come to. So as far as leaving the church and go to what? I hate to be that rough sounding, but the world has nothing to offer. Nothing. I'm telling you, the church has everything to offer. Everything to offer. Now, the, the plagues made the Lord known to Egypt. Here is a people. You think, you know, well, it was rough on them. But how many people do you think in Egypt got their eyes opened? That what we have been taught up to now was wrong. And I'm telling you, that has got to be heartbreaking. When everything, everything up to this point that they had been taught had turned out wrong. What happened? I don't know. I'm just guessing. What happened after the Israelites left? And God made himself known mightily there. And then all of a sudden, do they go back to their regular mode of life? Do they go back and serve their false deities as they did before? When they had just been proved 10 times that Yahweh was stronger? I don't know. But the point is, God made himself known. In my eyes, there was plagues. But in my eyes, he was merciful to those in Egypt. Now, I'm saying there was plagues. Yes, there was. But there was a generation coming that if them, if them people in Egypt would have told them there was a time when they, when they was a group here called the Hebrews, we seen who God was. So I believe God was merciful to them. Now, the 10 plagues also made himself known to the Israelites. They, they was known. God let himself know to his own that he was still on their side. Yes, they had been. The Bible says uh, two, two different um, numbers. It says it was there 400 years, then the complete time, it says in the Bible, 430 years. I have no problem with that. But it reaffirms to the Hebrews, yes, you've been in bondage here. I have heard your cry, and I have sent my man Moses to come get you. I haven't forgot you. So he does that. God sent Moses with the message. Now he's given us ministers, pastors, teachers to remind us of the plans in our lives. And now here, but the thing of it is, when the Hebrews was still a slave in Egypt, God was building their faith. Because what they had done, they were still classified as a slave, but they're seeing one by one 
God conquer the false gods of Egypt. So the, the Hebrew people is thinking, wow, we've been here a long time. But it's time not to, th- it, it, now is the time not to think like that anymore. God has come to deliver us. Now is the time to think God has come to get us. So let's take and let's think of what God is doing. Let's build our faith from this. Because if we, in other words, if we find ourselves and we get in our flesh when it comes to trials in this life and you turn it inward on you like, you know, I'm the only one's ever walked this path. You know, the other seven billion people on this earth ain't never walked this way. Really? And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make fun. All I'm saying, just as God built the Hebrews' faith while they were still classified as a slave, it may be in my trial when I'm thinking I'm at my worst that God can show me that his is the best for me. And I don't want to sit there and label it, oh God, look where I'm at. When he's saying the whole time, I know where you're at. You think I've left, but I've never left. I've been here the whole time. And you thinking that I've left is wrong because I hadn't left. So he has taken, he's, he's done that. Now at any point, the Hebrews could have chosen not to believe God, but they would have remained in slavery. That's the danger in it. But on the other hand, the Hebrews could have just humbled themselves and they could had humbled themselves before God and the, and the plagues would have ceased. Thankfully, Exodus 14.31, the Israelites saw the great work which the Lord did a, um, upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. This type of fear was not being scared or anxious, but it's talking about what God is going to do. It means that we respect and and we recognize with a sense of awe and wonderment what God is doing. Now, the Lord made a distinction between Israel and Egypt. And just as he did this in the natural, this should be in the spiritual. During the, the 10 plagues, the Egyptians was oppressed and affected because God made a distinction between his people and their enemy. He did this plague after plague. God shielded the Israelites, their land, their possessions from the effects. The Egyptians got weaker while the Israelites got stronger. They got stronger physically. They got stronger spiritually because their faith, every time that a plague was overcome and conquered by Yahweh, their faith grew. In other words, they realized what was happening. Now, God powerfully demonstrated his justice rightly judging the difference between righteous and unrighteous. With this knowledge, we can be confident that the God of the Israelites is actively working on our behalf to free us from sin and bondage in which the enemy would try to oppress us. Even when it seems the enemy is prevailing, we must remember that God sees a situation we're in and because I've always said, all we, all we see, and I've likened this naturally, all we see is ground level. Spiritually, God sees everything. I see everything from ground level. 
but he's already made a distinction between his children and the enemy and he's fighting for us. In the fourth plague, God pronounced through his servant Moses that the land of the Goshens where the Israelites dwelt would be protected from the plague of flies about to descend on the land. Now, while the Egyptians spent the entire time slapping flies and watching flies destroy their food supplies, but in the land of Goshen, you, they didn't even have need for a fly swatter. Now, that, that is truly amazing. God just drew a line of distinction between that and a grave sickness. In the fifth plague, the grave sickness came upon the Egyptian livestock, devastating them. But the Israelites' animals remained safe and healthy. In the um, seventh plague, God perfectly split the sky that not a single hailstone landed in Goshen, even though the neighboring Egypt was pounded by the worst hail their land had ever seen. Now, if you're sitting there watching this, here you are, whether you're in Egypt or whether you're in Goshen, God's, uh, or, or you're, you're the enemy or you're God's people. What do you think would be happening? I mean, here it is, literally, hell just destroying everything, and you're standing over here in Goshen. Man, that looks mean over there. <laughs> Thank the Lord I'm over here. Thank the Lord I'm over here. I mean, that had to work literally on your psyche, I'm telling you. Because, you know, here again, I go back to what point do the Egyptians, was they, and, and, and I I'm truly, don't want to mean, sound this to be too cruel, but was they truly that ingrained in their false teaching that while it is destroying everything around them, they still wouldn't acknowledge something is, something is going on. You know, and here is, in Revelation, he even talks about the people gnawing their tongues for pain and still won't repent. So here is a people that's literally watching their livelihood, their way of life destroyed, plague after plague, and they think, well, I, I just can't explain it. And God's people are saying, wow, we are beholding something with our own eyes that we'll probably never see again in this manner. But God is truly doing it. The ninth plague was especially incredible. Egypt was completely in total darkness engulfed so that no one could travel or even see each other. But in Goshen, the normal rising and setting of the sun did not change at all. I'm telling you, when do you say enough? For three days, the Bible says the people in Egypt didn't even move. Now, we don't know what total darkness is. We go down, I've been down to a cave and they shut the lights off and all of that. Now, that's just for a moment. Three days in Goshen, I don't know where, you know, I don't know if it's like darkness, light. I don't know how the Lord did it, but I believe the Bible. In Goshen, you see the sun come up, you see the sun set. But in Egypt, they can't even move, it's so dark. For three days, 
you know, I'm, I don't know. It, maybe it's just me. 15 minutes, I said, I give. I give. Show me where Yahweh is. Um, I'm, I'm being honest. I'm telling you. It is sad to think someone is so ingrained in something that they is literally watching something destroyed. God help me to always remember who God is because he is taking and he is doing this. And theoretically, it's just, I don't know where the border was, but it demonstrated the power of God to his people. And that is the most important thing is just when we see these situations and it's just all of us, all of us, the first person I talked about, uh, Randy, is just the miracles. Everybody has a story. Everyone should tell their part of where God took us. And then it's just not, it, it, and this is one thing that I think we need to be cautious. And, and I'll just say this, this is all me. Um, there is nothing wrong with, with someone giving a story about a situation like that. But everyone should give their story. Everyone. We should not put more credit on one because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So therefore, I think it was Brother Larry here uh, last um, Sunday talked about we as humans like to put um, different degrees on sin, you know, bubble gum and murder, whatever, how you want to put it. But, you know, and that's just the human side of us. We want to say what I did wasn't as bad as this. And, but spiritually speaking, we have to be careful with that. I'm telling you, we must be careful with that. But God is goodness. His grace has appeared to us all. The blood of the lamb protected all those who applied it. Now, the 10th the plague did not afflict, uh, affect the Israelites, but God issued a special warning to this plague. Now, up all the other nine plagues, the Israelites was automatically exempted from. It did not come near them. But the 10th plague, God was going to kill the firstborn of every household, and God gave specific instructions, and I know you know it. But here... This is me. I think God has given Egypt one last chance. They have seen nine fulfillments of what God can do. If Egypt, if you will just take and apply the blood to your life, as we would say, to the two side post and the lintel, that when this death angel comes, I'm not only going to kill the firstborn human, the firstborn creature of everything, the animals. I'm going to get them all. Israel, if you hadn't applied the blood, my people that's been exempt, you're going to lose the firstborn. So the blood is going to be the dividing point. Goshen is not going to protect you anymore. We know this is coming from the Passover, instituting the Passover. So all the ones that felt safe in Goshen was just made vulnerable. They had to follow their leader. Moses got his advice 
direction, commandments, ever how you want to say it, from God. Moses said, do it this way as from God. And Goshen, you must follow this. And if you want your family protected, the Bible says in Egypt, there was not a household that wasn't affected. But I, I do, I really believe that if in Egypt, if they would have said, I'll do it, I'll do it, then they would, God, the, the, the death angel would have passed over. I really believe that. I really believe that. Now, I know that my time is running out, but I, want, I, I will end with this. And here is a verse. There's a lot of verses. But here is, it's Exodus 12, 15. This is one verse that has always alarmed me. Okay. This is about the Passover. And it's 12, 15. Seven days shall thou eat unleavened bread. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now, if you thinking God was fooling when it come to this, that's why I said, Goshen, you're not safe anymore. God is instituting a plan when it comes to his blood that there is no second chance for. For he says that you must put 11 out of your house. That's Old Testament. New Testament out of your house. So he says that whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Now I'm telling you, that is alarming. You take people. Now here, here this, is, this is all me. And this is what alarms me. You go back to the Old Testament. You, you do this, you're done. You come up to now, do whatever you want. The church world just says, do whatever you want. That's, that's no balance. That's no balance. Okay, but I won't leave it there. Okay, leaven, Jesus talks about leaven. And it's just, he talks about the, the, the fermentation of it, but he likens it to a corrupt doctrine. And he, likes it, he likens it to the religious sect of that day. He's not talking about the people on the street. He was talking about the religious leaders. He says, don't, don't listen to their leaven. It's been fermented. Don't do that. And, but, and I just wrote down three things. It spreads by, con that I looked up. It spreads by contact of particle with particle. One particle of leaven being able to change any number of particles of flour. One particle of leaven can change any particle of flour, any number. It's changing the particle it comes in contact with into its own nature. That's why leaven is likened to sin in our day. And God said, speaking of his blood, if you got leaven in your house, it's not going to fly. So in the New Testament, God said, don't listen to their corrupt doctrine. I've, I have given you the truth. Okay, now what I want to say concerning verses like this that, that scare me to death, 
I will liken it this way. I love this with all of my heart. I am just so glad that when God came and gave us this, he put one word in front of it, and that was grace. Because Moses gave the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Because if he hadn't said that first word, somebody else would be holding this mic. It would not be me. So he came, he gave us everything we need that the addictions, the ones that are seen and the ones that are not seen to deliver us, to strengthen us, to help us, to anoint us, to help us to overcome. And it's not just about teaching and learning of what happened thousands of years ago. It is making you, his child, victorious today. And that's what I am thankful for. I ask you to stand. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you, holy God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what it means. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.